Grace is yours and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God serving as our text recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. In Christ Jesus, who is our Emmanuel, dear fellow redeemed, we're going to start this morning by just playing a very short word association game. I'm going to say the word. You're going to grab and hold on to that first thought or image that comes into your mind. Ready? The word is Christmas. Got it? I'm going to guess maybe some of you thought of baby Jesus in the manger. Or maybe you looked up front and saw a Christmas tree and that was the thought that came to mind. Or maybe a, a beautifully wrapped present. Or maybe I'm not even close. Now I'm going to take another guess. I'm going to guess that when you heard the word Christmas, few or any of us thought of a broken heart. Why would we? We associate Christmas with wonderful, beautiful, awe-inspiring things. And of course we should because Christmas is that and so much more. That's the vision of Christmas we get from Luke chapter 2, right? But Matthew chapter 1 gives us a very different glimpse of Christmas. There we see Christmas through Joseph's eyes. And for Joseph, Christmas was heartbreak. Now, it doesn't end that way for him or for us. We can be very glad about that, and I think you'll see what I mean as we take a look at Matthew's Christmas account, guided by our theme, Emmanuel Comes to Men Broken Hearts. So I'm just going to ask, has everyone, has anyone ever broken your heart? I don't mean heartbreak as in they canceled your favorite TV show or your favorite sports team threw its season away weeks ago. I mean someone breaking a close personal bond with you. The kind of thing that happens when someone cheats on you or says, I don't love you anymore. It breaks the heart. So much so that we find it hard to breathe. We can't sleep. We don't feel like eating. We're convinced we'll never be happy again. That's what Joseph was experiencing. He had found the love of his life. He proposed to her, and Mary said yes. In Jewish culture at that time, that accepted proposal was immediately followed by vows. In other words, the couple publicly professed lifelong faithfulness to each other and so were considered husband and wife. But in the culture of that day, Jewish culture at that time, the couple would not start living together 
as husband and wife. They wouldn't consummate their marriage. Instead, for the next several months, the groom would prepare a home for his bride. While the bride and her family would maybe gather a dowry to get those newlyweds off to a good start financially. Only after these things were in place would the man, with a parade of family and friends, go to the parental home of his bride, take her by the hand, and bring her to the new home they would establish together. That was the wedding celebration. And from that time on, the couple would live together as husband and wife and enjoy all the blessings that God intends for marriage. So here's where Joseph gets his heart broken. Because someplace in between those public vows and that wedding celebration, before they could come together, Mary was found to be pregnant. Newsflash, Joseph isn't the father. Which can only mean one thing, right? The woman that he thought he knew so well and loved so dearly had been with someone else. How could she? Mary might just as well have ripped Joseph's heart out of his chest and stomped it into the ground. If you found yourself in Joseph's sandals, how would you react to that? We're told that Joseph was a man who was faithful to the law. In other words, he knew and he followed the law of Moses, which, when it was the law of the land, called for the death of the adulterers. But this time, Israel isn't living under the law of Moses. They're under Roman rule. And Roman law gave Joseph basically two options. First option was to publicly divorce Mary and use that divorce to shame her in a way that she would be shunned by her community. No man would ever think to have her as his wife. She would live out her days alone. Or... Joseph could go with option two, which was to quietly divorce Mary. In other words, have their vows annulled. And that might give Mary some way of keeping her reputation intact. Maybe she could slip away to another city, let people conclude she was a widow, raising her child alone. Maybe she could have some kind of a normal life. The choice was Joseph's. He could choose justice or he could choose mercy. Broken-hearted Joseph chose mercy. And in this way, his story so well illustrates the Christmas story. Not the story of a broken-hearted Jewish carpenter but the account of a broken-hearted God. Have you ever thought of Christmas in those terms? 
Maybe not. But when we humans rebelled against our God by the sin of our first parents in Eden, that was not simply a case of careless creatures disappointing their creator. Nor was it simply a matter of silly subjects annoying their master. While it's true that we humans are servants and creatures, it's also true that our God made us to be so much more than that. And because he did, our sin caused him such great grief. With our sin, we broke the intimate bond that he had established between himself and humans. You might say, we broke his heart. In the same way that an unfaithful wife breaks the heart of her husband. In fact, that's the very picture that God uses in Scripture to portray the kind of relationship he wants with us, the, the picture of the marriage bond. And so it's that picture that helps us to understand the effect that our sin has on our relationship with God. For example, think of a worship service like this one as a, as a special date that our God carefully arranges to spend time with us, his bride. How do you suppose he feels when we stand him up? When we don't pray to him? How is that any different than a wife who refuses to speak to her husband? Or when we profess our love for God, but then ignore everything he says to us in his word and instead go out and live like the unbelievers around us, how is that any different than the husband who professes love for his wife but comes home to her every day with the scent of another woman's perfume on his clothes and skin? Would you think that an annoyance? You'd call it what it is, unfaithfulness. And our God says the same thing about our sin. No wonder then that in the scripture he says, I am a jealous God, a rightfully jealous God, who refuses to allow us to give our love or allegiance to another. He wants us for himself, so much so that the death penalty for, is, the, I should say, the penalty for unfaithfulness is death. The wages of sin. Unending death in hell where God has every right to shame and shun us forever. That's his right. But our just God chooses to show mercy. Not like Joseph showed mercy to Mary. God's mercy is infinitely greater. In his mercy, Joseph decided to divorce Mary quietly. God, in his mercy, doesn't want a divorce. He wants us back. And so what did he do? 
he determined to do away with the sin that had come between us. He decided to mend his broken heart by mending the relationship we had broken with him. And how would he do that? Well, in a way that no one could ever have imagined, as Joseph was soon to learn. It's hard to sleep when you have a broken heart. But after Joseph decided to show kindness to Mary, he managed to nod off. That's when it happened. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is a man faithful to the law. He knew his scriptures, and so he certainly recognized in these words a reminder of a promise that God had made seven centuries earlier to a rebellious king when God announced that a virgin, a woman who would have never had sexual relations with a man, would conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit And so by that miraculous conception, give birth to a son who is divine and human. The son would be born the God-man. Let that just soak in for a moment. This, This wouldn't be God masquerading as a human being. This is actually God with us, as in God one of us. God with us to do what? To spy on us? To tattle on us? Never. The angel explains, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Not to spy, not to tattle. To save Jesus' name says it all. It means he saves. God sent his own son to do what no one else could. God sent his own son because only Jesus would keep from breaking his father's heart all over again. Only Jesus, with his sufferings and death and hell, could use that sacrifice to cancel our sin debt and break sin's death grip on us. Only Jesus, with his perfect life, could pledge that holiness to his bride so that we can wear his righteousness like a beautiful robe in the presence of our God. Only Jesus could live and die and live again to love his people through all the troubles they have on this side of heaven. Which is exactly what the unborn Jesus was already doing for Joseph. He had gone to bed that night brokenhearted, but the mere promise of Emmanuel mended the broken heart. Not just because he found out Mary had been faithful to him, but because he learned God is faithful to his promise to love and save sinners. That news gave Joseph the courage to face the realities of life in a sinful world. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
easy to read right over that verse in the text. But do you know how hard this must have been for Joseph? Can you imagine the things they must have said about him for the rest of his life? How they must have questioned his manhood? And the things he heard them say about his wife and the slurs they used to refer to his adopted son, Jesus. And yet he faced it all unafraid because Emmanuel isn't just a title. It's reality. It's our reality. We have a with us God. And if you're ever tempted to doubt that, wherever you are, I want you to just stop, and in your mind's eye, I want you to peek once again into our Savior's cradle and think of what you're seeing there. Our God. Our God, who loves us so that he was willing to put on the flesh and blood of his creatures so that he could claim our sin as his own and give his holiness to us that we could claim it as our own. This is a with us God. This is a for us God. And you know what Paul says about that in Romans. If God is for us, who or what can be against us? Our answer is at the cross where Emmanuel, God with us, gave himself to defeat our every enemy and change our outlook eternally. Has someone broken your heart? Emmanuel will mend it. Your God lives to love you through all the hurts you have, financial, health, relationship troubles. You name the worry or concern. Jesus already knows it. And he's already working to make it the blessing he promises and intends for you. Believe it, my friends. Emmanuel comes to mend broken hearts. Jesus pledges himself to you in love and takes you to be his bride in a bond so powerful that not even death will be able to part you from him. He is going to stay right at your side every day, including that day when he brings you home to that great wedding feast, your wedding feast, that will last forever. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. We hope that God's word has strengthened your faith. To help us know more about the reach of our efforts here at Manav, we hope that you'll like and subscribe to our YouTube and Facebook pages, and that you also sign our online friendship register to let us know that you're listening. Today. God bless and keep you.